Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast, featuring in-depth conversations with executives, leaders, influencers, and journalists in this dynamic, high-stakes industry. Hosted by Craig Pickett, founder of Northstar Group, the boutique executive search firm for the aerospace industry. You'll learn how top aerospace executives are developing their people, competing for talent, overcoming challenges, and adjusting to industry trends to drive growth and profits. And now, let's join your host, Greg Pickett. Welcome to the uh, the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Uh, today I've got uh, Sean Douglas with me. Sean is a uh, and currently a, a, an Air Force maintenance leader, former drill instructor. He's also a, a speaker on the, uh, who does a lot of TED Talks. He's a podcaster, he's a blogger, and he's had a lot of success teaching people to live their brand. Live their brand. Hey, Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing amazing, man. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. So what, uh, so, so live their brand. Yeah. Tell me how, uh, tell me that how it came about and what, uh, you know, what you're, what you're trying to get people to do. Well, it sounds weird, but I'm a people watcher. I watch people to see their buying habits. I see people, how they interact. I see people when they are alone and how different they are when they get into a people crowd, um, clicky group dynamic and people change. You know, how you are inside of your house might be different how you are in a crowd or, you know, in a different setting, you know, with a spouse or somebody. And so what I, what I saw was that people become disingenuous and they care more about other people's feelings than their own, which can be dangerous. But they also live in the reality of what other people think about them. How people think about you, you start to live up to that reality because Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. Maybe you don't believe that you're a good person, but they believe that you're a good person. So now you got to live up to an expectation that's been set upon you. So I encourage people to live their brand. Instead of living Nike's brands and core values or Reebok or your job or Bank of America or whatever, Abercrombie, whatever clothes, whatever car, those things don't define you. Your brand defines you. And so what happens is, they find people that I, that I talk to about this living your brand means you, you live out the core values that you hold deep in your heart every day. You live those out. And so a lot of times people don't, they don't live their brand. They don't live their core values. They live somebody else's values. So what I want to do is help people to live their core values every day and be genuine, authentic, and transparent. So how do people develop their own brand? I mean, it, I, yeah, I hear a lot of, I, I hear a lot of, it's almost a buzzword today, you know, you know create your own brand, you know, live your own brand. You know, how do you, uh, how do you create your own brand and develop your own brand and live up to those, you know, live up to it? In the military, we have core values. In the Air Force, it's integrity first, service before self and excellence in all we do. Those are core values. Those are what we live by. It's the, it's the common bond between all Air Force airmen, enlisted or officer. They're still an airman. Living your brand means that you live your core values. Whatever you believe, whatever you think, whatever you feel about the world and about yourself, you need to live those out. And when you live those out, you become authentic, transparent, 
genuine and you live your truth. And I want people to not be afraid to live their truth. How did you, uh, so how did you get to this point where you're, you're teaching people to, to, to do this and, and ultimately find themselves and, and grow? And yes, that, that, I mean, that's a great question. I just got to start somewhere. Uh, it didn't start until 2009 when I became a drill instructor. And I was a drill instructor for Air Force basic training from 2009 to 2013. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with speaking, training, mentoring, coaching, whatever you want to call it. You know, it wasn't just screaming at people. It wasn't just, again, living in the reality of what other people think about you. Drill instructor, hardcore, screaming, yelling, you know, but it's not always like that. There's moments where you have to pull somebody aside and go, hey, man, listen, I know you're going through a hard time. Maybe you got a Dear John letter in basic training. Listen, man, it's not the end of the world, right? Like, oh, man, I know you're going through this one thing. You know, I know that I know that you had a I know that you had a death in the family. We got a Red Cross notification. I know, you know so you have to like kind of humanize yourself, you know? And coming from a drill instructor, they're the trainees, they start to like, wow, maybe this guy isn't a cyborg. You know, like maybe this guy does have feelings, you know. So it started when I started humanizing and living with emotional intelligence and living with empathy. You mean drill instructors really have empathy? <laughs> well, there's like a 1% chance that, that that would actually happen. Like in basic training, I've seen people try to kill themselves. I've seen people get Dear John letters. I've seen people lose a grandparent or um, one guy's brother was killed. Um, you know, it, it messes with them, you know. So you have to take the stripes and the hat off for a second and not become sergeant so-and-so. It's Hey man, it's it, it's Sean talking. Like it's you know the husband, the father, the brother, the cousin, the uncle. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You got to put your human hat on for a second. And it took me a, you know a long time to to figure this part out. But people yeah. follow those. You know, there's a saying: people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's and it kind of always stuck with me. That's a good point. How did, um, yeah, so obviously, yeah, I was joking on the, uh, the drill instructor. I had a, uh, it's true though. (laughs) I had a Marine Corps drill instructor going through, uh, officer candidate school and he scared the hell out of us. Yep. But then when it was all over, you know, the, uh, the facade goes away. Yeah. And, uh, you realize, you know, Hey, look, all the training that he gave you, we'll say, we'll save your life. hundred percent. And, um, you know, you, you learn that much more respect. There's a mutual respect. Um, how did, yeah, how to be, so how did mentoring people and becoming a drill instructor, you know, obviously, you know, people are always looking for mentors, you know, in business, yep. the business, you know, business forum here, and, you know, uh, you know, young executives are looking for mentors. Yep. Um, you know, they're much more successful when they have a strong mentor. Um, yep. A lot of times as my wife likes to say, you know, you learn more when you're teaching somebody else. Yep. How did, how did that, uh, you know, you know, being a drill instructor, how did that help your success? It gave me a discipline because I was responsible for 50 to 60 other trainees. And if you count my brother flight or sister flight, if there was a female flight across the hall or, you know, I was responsible for them too. I was responsible for the, for the instructor across the hall. I was responsible for his actions. You know, we were, we were teammates. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I go into his door, make sure he's doing everything that he's supposed to make sure he doesn't need anything. Can I get you something? Can I get you a water? 
you know, a mop bucket. Like, what do you need, man? Nope, I'm good, man. Thanks. Or like, hey, can you take my flight? And can you, you know, can you just watch them real quick? I'll take care of something. But yeah, man, I'll go back between the halls. So we would just open both doors. There's a little common area in the middle. We'd open both doors. I just walk right through. You know what I mean? It's not like they're going to leave, but I just walk right through, you know, go into this dorm, check this out. I can hear if something's going on with there because the doors are open. I can hear, you know, so there's a bunch of times where, you know, we would, we would have each other's flights and we always had each other's backs. And that translated now into, I know that when I did this with my teamy and I know that when I had these kids, I had this, you know, whatever. So I just look back on the lessons that I learned for those four years and it instilled discipline. It instilled that emotional intelligence to see people for who they are, not what I, cause there's a lot of times where we think there's a crap, recruit right I mean this guy sucks like why are you here you're not gonna make it and then come to find out at the end of the basic he's usually probably one of the best or he he might surprise people and like wow he really did make it like wow if I let those emotional decisions or mindset cloud my judgment you know I again I gotta have emotional intelligence of the whole entire situation because it's emotional for them you know it's emotional for us because we're getting mad at them so it's you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about people in general. So how does a young executive take a, you know, in, in corporate America, take a underperforming person and, you know, a lot of, you know, hey, look, you, you know, it's, it's corporate America can be ruthless. You know, it's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, everybody's, you know, everybody's you know, looking out for their goals and their bonus and, you know, Jack Welch, you know, hey, just fire the bottom 10% and let's move on. Yep. So how do you take that bottom 10% or make them top 1%? Three things. To make them a top 1%, you have to ensure that they are trained. A lot of times they got, they got like crap training. Somebody didn't teach them. Someone didn't train them. Some of the, like they're not proficient. So instead of firing them, why don't you make them proficient? Have somebody teach them. Because a lot of times it's, it's, they're uneducated. It's not that they don't care. They're trying, but they just don't know. And then, like you said, corporate America is ruthless. Think about the military. You were, you know, you're aviator. If somebody was lacking behind, was it because they didn't care? Or was it because they just didn't get, they get the concepts of training? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times if you explain things to them, then they'll get it. Which leads me to the second point. Not because they're uneducated. So you've educated them now. Now you've educated them. Now they know what they're doing. Now you have to capitalize on their strengths. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. If you think that way, I don't think people have any weakness. I think that people have core signature strengths, then they have regular strengths, and then they have things that they're not proficient at. I am not a jazz player because I am not proficient at it, but I guarantee you if I practiced every day for a year, I could probably play the heck out of a saxophone. Mm -hmm. I'm just not proficient at it. Doesn't mean that I suck or it's a weakness. Right. So you have to capitalize on people's strengths. And, and there's a, there's a study out there that says that when you capitalize on strengths, your company, organization, your team, whatever improves by 36%. So by 36%, you've improved the efficiency and proficiency of your entire team and entire organization. So a lot of people say, Oh, you look good for this job. Go do this job. Like I've never done this before. Mm -hmm. But if you actually put people where they're supposed to, and you learn this in basic training, where I've got a tall guy, like, aligning shoes. That doesn't make sense. I've got a guy glasses aligning things, making sure that they're straight. Like, he's got glasses for a reason. Go make him do something else. You know what I mean? Like, you need to put people in the places where they belong, and it plays to their skill set. 
So people who just throw people into a job and don't capitalize on the strengths hinder the organization's growth. And the third thing is self-awareness and empathy. Self-awareness and empathy, that emotional intelligence, right? You have to, you have to apply that because if someone's lagging, maybe they had a death in the family. But if you think that they suck, but really they just went through a divorce and didn't tell nobody, mm-hmm. again, emotional intelligence tells you when someone is off their game. It tells you that they are withdrawn. And so you need to go in and deploy that empathy and say, man, I, you know, I've been where you've been. This is how we're going to get through this, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Have you found that to be, I mean, are people willing to do that? Are people willing to take that leadership track or are they, are they, no. or are they just lazy? No, they don't want to do it because here's the thing. Real leaders, especially in the military, you see this all the time in the military. Real leaders build up other leaders around them. Everybody else that you see, military, uh, corporate America especially, they want to be the top dog, so they tear down everybody around them. And they don't train them the way they're supposed to. There's real military leaders that I've worked with who are amazing. And what made them amazing is that they built up other leaders around them mm-hmm. and trained people to take over their job because they realize they're not going to be in that job forever. You're not in the military. You're not in corporate America. You're not in this for 80 years. Right. You're not in this particular job for 80. Your whole point is to move up, you know, in, in the pecking order of aircraft maintainers, there's a pecking order. You got the crew chief, you got this guy, you got the, you know, the staff sergeant, then you got the, the expediter and the production superintendent, then you got the maintenance superintendent. Like you're supposed to go up a ladder. If you think that you're going to be the top dog forever, you are delusional. What needs to happen is you need to build up other leaders around you to take your job in case you go down. And the leaders above you need to make sure that their job is covered because if they go down. And so everybody just kind of moves up the rank. And it's true they say a rising tide lifts all ships because if one of the top dogs go down, everybody moves up. But if somebody moves up into a job that they have no idea what to do and somebody doesn't have the time to train them, now you've got a kink in the wheel. Now you've got a broken process. And mm-hmm. that needs to be fixed. And that's the quickest way to kill an organization. Yep, absolutely. I mean, you know, you talked about, you were talking about earlier about, you know, everybody having each other's back. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I talked to companies about the, the, the perils of the competing P&L. In, oh, God. in military terms, it's when the pilots and the maintenance guys aren't getting along. You know, the, the maintenance yep. guys got to hurry, got to hurry up to get their stuff done so the pilots can fly before they run out of, crew duty day or whatever in yeah corporations it's when the cfo and the vp of sales are at odds over you know what constitutes a good deal or you know yeah the the vp of sales makes the vp of customer service eat you know two million dollars of warranty so that he can get a deal and you know it's it's crazy and and then you start to get it like you know this guy just cost me two million bucks. Well, hey, look, he really didn't. You're all in the same organization. You cost the company two million bucks, and but the low EQ, you know, looks at that. yeah. To me, it's really fascinating. I, you know, the whole concept of emotional intelligence didn't exist ten years ago. hundred um, percent. And now everybody's starting to think about it. Going, hey, look, you know, it's you know, EQ is the new is EQ is much better. As one guy, uh, you know, Bill Koch is a chairman of a 
company called Hawthorne Global Aviation. Yep. EQ is more important than IQ because 100%. a whole bunch of a whole bunch of smart people can be in a room, um, but if they can't deal with anybody, nothing gets done. Right. Whereas emotional intelligence is the ability to rally an organization and take it to the next level. So. Yep. Yep. Um, that's uh, that's awesome. So uh, your podcast, thesuccesscore.com, this is a major focus of uh, what you're talking about each week? Yeah, so I'm on the radio show, Life Transformation Radio. We talk about the transformational moments in people's lives, and we dissect into that transformational moment. And a lot of people go through many transformational moments. I went through a transformational moment where it was join the military, not quite healed from childhood trauma, found drinking because that's the military way, found drinking, awesome, wasn't prepared for what came after you get drunk and then you numb the pain and you deploy and like all this stuff starts happening and you're living a rock star lifestyle really. And then, you know, suicide attempts and relationships broken and, you know, getting kicked out or wanting to leave and, you know, and then come to find out, you know, being a drill instructor was the best thing for me because it reinstilled that discipline that I was missing. And it unlocked a potential in me that I never even knew was there. And so the transformational moment for me was going from those bad times to that moment of, you know, taking life, whatever, to now I'm a drill instructor and now I have a higher purpose and now my life has, has meaning and value. And then getting therapy and everything along the way to heal all that stuff we dissect into those transformational moments and deploy that emotional intelligence to pick out the moments that really defined us. And really in the history of our life, we can pull back from and go, I was there. Somebody else is going through that. I know the warning signs. Let me go help them. That's awesome. I mean, look, you know, it's everybody takes all, you know, the drill instructor, kids, you know, you think about, you know, leading an organization, you know, what's the catalyst to get some discipline in your life? And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people, that's, you know, uh, you know I was probably 30 before I you know, started to find that discipline, which kind of is embarrassing to me. Um, but Well, actually, uh, average age of, of maturity for a male is 43. Hmm. No <laughs> joke. I never heard that. <laughs> I'm, it, it, was, it was in a, uh, what was that study? It was just done uh, this year. Um, they looked at the, at the maturity level of a male. Like what, when are they mature? Like when are they like acting like your grandfather or acting like, you know, like settle, the wise old man, whatever. Settle right? down, settle down. Settle down. Yep. Right. Settle down. Stop pulling pranks. Like really like start coming into adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> they said average age is 43. Like no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to Google that one. That's interesting. But uh, yeah. So let's let's switch the subject. So you're a uh, you're an aircraft maintenance leader up in uh, at, at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in Goldsboro, North Carolina. I am. Yep. What's uh, what's happening? You know, the big fear in the aerospace aviation industry is the lack of pilots, lack of maintainers. Oh, so amongst man. your cadre, what are they? Uh, yeah, what are they all talking about doing when they get out of the Air Force? Is there is there hope for us in the uh, the aviation industry or? Uh, there's a there's a lot of encouragement right now to go get your A&P license. A lot. They need guys to go get their A&P license. One of the guys in my shop, uh, so I run my own shop. I run the end of the runway where um, aircraft come down after being launched out from, from, the, from the maintenance unit. They travel down the taxiway. They come to the end of the runway. 
we unpin them or arm them and do a full inspection to make sure all the parts and pieces are there. And then we send them on their way. And then when they are done flying, they come down, they land, they go to the other end of the runway and we pin them back up, make sure all the parts and pieces are there. And you'd be surprised at how many times the parts and pieces are not all there. So, you know, the, you know, we have reporting procedures and everything else, but it's such a fun job because you see some of the things that uh, you never thought you'd see. You know, just two months ago, we put out an aircraft fire. You know, just jet caught fire. You know, it's just sitting there in the spot. You know, we're like, what's that smoke? You know, and then all of a sudden a fire broke out. We're like, oh my God. And we were just in awe that this was happening. Like, oh my God, grab a fire bottle. You go call 911. <laughs> right. So you're like, holy crap. And then your training kicks in, like after the surprise moment, you know. So, you know, it's never, it's never a dull moment down there. There's always something going on. And I just absolutely love running the work center. So, one of, the, one of the things they keep talking about is, you know, when we had the sequestration back in, you know, 2013, I believe, yeah, 2013, mm -hmm. they had sequestration, they weren't flying, everybody was, you know, so now it's like, man, we're losing so many pilots and so many, so many maintainers, you know, it's worse than sequestration, <laughs> you know, like, right. we can't even, we can't even make our sorties, you know, but the military it, it, as a whole has a way of overcoming, they'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And they have, and they have, they've, they've really figured it out. You know, they streamlined the processes. They've cleaned up a lot of things. Um, you know, guys are coming in well-trained and, you know, they've got systems and strategies in place to when they get here, let's get them, let's get them up. Let's get them trained. Let's get them ready. Let's, you know, no messing around. And so, like I said, they're encouraging, you know, people to, to go and get your A&P license so that when you get out, you've got something to fall back on because the aerospace industry really, really needs people. And especially with the thing going on with Boeing, Boeing grounded all those aircraft and they got a lot of stuff going on. It's like, it's, it's been a hot topic, you know, for a while. So they don't want people coming out of the air force, especially uh, crew chiefs and maintainers. They don't want them coming out going, wow, my job really doesn't translate to squat out here. Well, mm -hmm. now it does. Here's your AMP license, you know? So a uh, guy in the shop goes and goes to class out of six people that were there. He was the only one that passed. It's hard. Yeah. It's right. is, hard. It, is the industry doing a good job recruiting around the base? Are they, are, is it, is it doing, are we doing a good job attracting? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of guys that I know has got their A and B license, man. They crushed it. Like, that's awesome. They're like me personally, I don't want nothing to do with aircraft when I get out. Like I've had my fill of 20 years. I'm good. You know, I can't even sit on a Delta airline flight. I don't know about you. I can't sit on a Delta airline flight without watching out the window. I'm like, oh, flaps down. Cool. At 37 degrees. Got it. Okay. Ailerons. Yeah. Hey, well, there's a missing faster on the wing. What the hell's going on here? Yeah. Oh, gener generators running up. GCU reset. JFS APU. You know, like I'm just running through the launch sequence, like engine up and running. 37%. Yeah. 48%. <laughs> like in my head, I'm just doing an engine launch. Like, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, going over the hump and you know, like. It's just my wife's like, shut up. I'm like, sorry, I can't like I can't sit in an airplane without going through a launch sequence. Like it's just, you know, it's just me, you know. And a lot of other maintainers do the same thing, you know. So um I just I don't want nothing to do with airplanes when it, you know, I just want to enjoy the fact that I can be on an airplane and not have to work on it and fix it. Right. So so we're doing a half good job of, of uh, we're doing a half good job, I guess, of uh, of of enticing people. <laughs> well, I mean, it definitely is enticing, but you know, for guys like me who've done it for 20 years, who just like, mm -hmm. I've, I've had my fun, you know what I mean? Right. Really? Yeah. It's, it's the 
guys that have been in for like eight years at the most mm-hmm. and go, I could probably do this for another 20 years. I know a guy who gets paid handsomely to work on those uh, Learjets, the uh, private airplanes. Mm-hmm. He works at a private airport with private planes. And like, that's what he does. He fixes private planes, Sure, you know, for, for millionaires or whatever and gets paid well to do it. Like, that's awesome. Like, good for you, man. But again, I don't care how much money the money is. I just don't want that. Like, that's not what I want to do. I got you. Yeah. That, uh, I, I think I had my fill of it too when I got out of the Navy, but, uh, <laughs> there you, there you go anyway. So, uh, well, good. Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on today. Really, uh, really enjoyed the, the, uh, the chat. So people can find you at www.thesuccesscore.com. Yep. yep. Core spelled C O R P S. Yep. Thesuccesscore.com. And do you do a live show? Uh, how often? I do. Yeah, so my my radio show, Life Transformation Radio, is live Tuesday through Friday. The home site is blogtalkradio.com forward slash life transformation radio. And it's repurposed into a podcast, and the show is available wherever you're comfortable listening to podcasts. Awesome. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on today, Sean. Enjoyed the uh, the chat. Looking forward to uh, you know, listening to uh, the six your your uh, your podcast and your live show. Thank you, man. And, uh, it's an honor to be on your show as well. Thank you. Come back soon. Yeah.